Good morning, everyone. I'd like to welcome and thank you for joining us this Sunday. We continue our study of the Psalms this Sunday with Psalm 84. You can turn there in your Bibles if you have them. Now, Psalm 84 is about a longing or a desire to come into the house of the Lord. Now, this morning we'll have a little bit longer of an introduction because I want to explain how we understand the concept of the temple and what it means for us today as Christians. Now, you can clearly see, if you are there yet, in Psalm 84, verse 2, that it is about this longing. Verse 2, my soul longs, yes, faints for the courts of the Lord. The courts of the Lord being the temple, the temple courts of the Lord. Now, this longing that is spoken of is reflective of a longing that we all have for the presence of God. St. Augustine famously said of mankind, our hearts are restless until they find their rest in God. That is, all of us have longings, have desires, a feeling that something is missing or is not quite right with the world in which we inhabit. And the reason that we feel this way is because we were created to dwell in the very presence of God. We were created to find our deepest fulfillment in His presence. We read in the first chapters of Genesis that our first parents, Adam and Eve, lived in the very presence of God. We read that the Lord Himself would even walk in the Garden of Eden with His creatures. A picture of what was meant to be, of man's creative purpose to be in the very presence of the Lord. And yet, by their rebellion, humanity was exiled from Eden. That is, they were thrown out of the presence of God, barred from the very person whom they were designed to glorify and enjoy forever. Man was created to dwell in Eden with the Lord, but lost this by his sin. You see, we want, we desire, we long for something that our sin has barred us from. However, the Lord did not allow his creation to wander away from his presence forever. His desire has been to draw humanity back into this Eden concept of dwelling with Him. And to achieve this purpose, we see that the Lord accommodated His presence to His people through the tabernacle and later the temple in Jerusalem. You see, the temple in Jerusalem was designed in such a way that the presence of God would be manifested among men with its highest potency. There was a chamber, an inner chamber called the Holy of Holies. And that presence of God that that rested there would radiate toward the outer chambers of the temple. To approach the temple, one would have to receive atonement through animal sacrifice offered on their behalf by a priest. And through atonement, their sins would be washed away and again, they would be allowed back into the very presence of the Lord. Psalm 84 is a reflection of this temple accommodation. For we see that the psalmist desires to go to the temple that he might dwell in the very presence of the Lord. He rightly sees that his heart's desire will only be fulfilled there. 
But how are we to understand Psalm 84 today? For the temple in Jerusalem has been destroyed. The sacrifices have ceased and the curtain separating the Holy of Holies from the outside world has been torn in two. Does Psalm 84 have anything to teach us in the New Covenant era? I think that instinctively we say would say yes. And we even will make the right connection. The correlation between the temple spoken of in Psalm 84 and the gathering of God's people in church today. And yet I want to take a few minutes to show you why you are correct. Why when we read about the longing for the temple in Psalm 84, it teaches us of how we are to long for the gathered body of Christ. When we understand the purpose of the temple was to accommodate God dwelling with man, we see that this psalm has much to teach us. For the temple was destroyed not by historical accident, but rather to more clearly display that the fulfillment of the temple has come in the person and work of Jesus Christ. For Jesus is God incarnate. God in the flesh. John chapter 1, verse 14 says, The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. That word that is translated dwelt is the same word as tabernacle. You see, Jesus Christ is the tabernacle of God that has come to humanity. This truth is made even more explicit when Jesus says later in John chapter 2, Destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. Now this statement confused the crowds. They even said, hey look, it took 46 years to build this temple and you say that you could rebuild it in three days if it was destroyed? But we understand what he is saying. For there was such an identification between the temple as the presence of God and Jesus Christ as the presence of God that to destroy Jesus was to destroy the temple. And for Jesus to rise to new life was to establish a new temple, the temple rebuilt in three days. This new temple is embodied in Christ and is the fulfillment of of the purpose of the old temple. This is why the curtain of the temple was torn as Jesus died on the cross. This is why the physical temple was completely destroyed according to God's providence 40 years later. The old had passed away. The new had come. God's purpose to dwell with man was moving forward in the person of Jesus Christ. For He is the temple in complete fulfillment. He is the presence of God. He is the priest of God. It is Him who has made sacrifice on our behalf that we sinners might come into the very presence of God having our longing fulfilled. And if you don't hear anything else this morning, you need to understand this dynamic. That the longing that you have within your heart that you know that you were made for something more than what you experience in this world is fulfilled only in Jesus Christ. For in Him, you enter into the very presence of God. 
By His blood shed on the cross, the sins that barred you from God's presence have been washed away. And as you place your faith in Him, you enter into that reality and come to know God personally. And if you do not know the Lord through Jesus Christ, if you have not placed your faith in Jesus Christ, then this longing that you have will grow and grow and grow and unto eternity it will turn into anguish and torment. But if you place your faith in Jesus Christ, you will dwell in the very presence of God completely fulfilled in your creative purpose for all eternity. Now, this fulfillment of the temple purpose in Jesus Christ means that the gathered body of Christ, the church, is the present day manifestation of the temple of God. It is where God's presence is most potently experienced. Yes, God is everywhere. In the Old Testament, they could pray, they could worship, they can know God apart from the temple. In the New Testament, the same thing. We can pray when we're not in church. We can worship, we can know God. But the most potent and powerful manifestation of God is in the gathered body of Christ. This is reflected throughout the New Testament. For Paul says in 1 Corinthians, do you not know that you, plural, speaking to the church, are God's temple and that God's Spirit dwells in you? For God's temple is holy and you, speaking again, plural, are that temple. Or in 2 Corinthians 6.16, For we are the temple of the living God. As God said, I will make my dwelling among them and walk among them, and I will be their God and they shall be my people. What does all of this mean? Well, it means that as we come to Psalm 84, we who live in the realities of the new covenant must understand that the longing expressed and fulfilled in Psalm 84 by the presence of God in the temple courts is even is now even more fully experienced in the gathered body of Christ. Or more simply put, the church is the temple where our longing for the presence of God is fulfilled. Therefore, as we read Psalm 84, we must read it with an eye towards Christ and His church. So hear now the word of the Lord, Psalm 84. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts! My soul longs, yes, faints for the courts of the Lord, My heart and flesh sing for joy to the living God. Even the sparrow finds a home and the swallow a nest for herself where she may lay her young at your altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. Blessed are those who dwell in your house, ever singing your praise. Blessed are those whose strength is in you and whose heart are the highways to Zion. As they go through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The early rain also covers it with pools. They go from strength to strength. Each one appears before God in Zion. O Lord God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob. Behold our shield, O God. Look on the face of your anointed. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. 
I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does He withhold from those who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the one who trusts in You. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the Word of the Lord remains forever. Let us pray. Almighty God, we come to You now in this time, not with presumptuous hearts, but in faith, believing that through the flesh of Jesus Christ that we might enter into Your very presence. And that even now, as we come to Your Word, that it is a Word spoken to us, not abstractly, but from Your very mouth, O God. Lord, we know that right now we see see as in a mirror dimly, but one day it will be face to face. We pray, O God, that as You accommodate Yourself to us through Christ Jesus as we are gathered together in this place, that we might know Your Word and that it might change our hearts and we might follow You in faith and trust all the days of our lives unto eternity. We pray it in Christ's holy name. Amen. The first thing that we need to see in our psalm for this morning is that if we would know the presence of God and therefore have our longing fulfilled, we must long for God Himself in the midst of His dwelling. We must long for God Himself. Now, in verses 1 through 4 of our psalm, we see very clearly that the psalmist has rightly located his desire in the presence of the Lord, right? He has a longing, he has a desire, and he rightly says, he rightly sees that it is for God Himself. Let's look at verses 1 through 4 in a little bit more depth. Starting in verse 1. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts! My soul longs, yes, faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh sing for joy in the living God. Even the sparrow finds a home. And the swallow a nest for herself where she may lay her young at your altars. O Lord of hosts, my King and my God, blessed are those who dwell in your house ever singing your praise. As the psalm opens, we see that it is the temple of the Lord that the psalmist desires. He expresses his love for the temple, his desire to be present in the courts of the Lord. He even expresses, I I find this uh, a bit humorous, he expresses his jealousy for birds because they are allowed to make their homes in the very presence of God. Birds are allowed to make their nests in the colonnades of the temple grounds. And it's like he's jealous. Man, even the birds get to live there. And he pronounces a blessing on those who dwell in the house of God, who get to sing their praise. It's important to note that it's not the physical temple so much that is the locus of the psalmist's desires. We know that the temple would have been an overwhelmingly beautiful structure. If your whole life, if you imagine that you live in a small wood or mud home, to come into the presence of a temple would have been awe-inspiring. To see the temple grounds and the courts. To see the temple reaching 20 stories high. The gold gilded doors. The massive bronze pillars. It would have made you feel as though you had entered a different and a heavenly world. 
If you've had the privilege of going to an ancient cathedral in Europe, you'll understand the sense of awe and holiness that can be associated with places like this. Pastor Brett and I visited Westminster Cathedral in the spring of 2019, and it was a special experience. The beauty, the age, the dimensions, the history connected with that cathedral. There in the Jerusalem chamber of the Westminster Cathedral, the Westminster of Confession of Faith was written. A a document that is very central to our understanding of the faith was written right there. But when a place, a physical place becomes special, it can obscure the true object of our longing. Yet here we see that the psalmist rightly directs his heart to the Lord Himself. The outward glory of the temple only works to heighten his view of God's glory and beauty as it should. And we too must set our affections, our longings, our desires on coming to the gathered body of Christ so that we might be in the very presence of God. There are all sorts of other reasons that people might find themselves in church. People might come because they love the music. They might love the liturgy because it's beautiful. It might be because their friends or their family members are present there. You might come to church because it's your habit or because you feel like it is your obligation. Now, some of those reasons aren't bad. I would hope that you would love the beauty of this place. Nevertheless, it must be the love for God Himself That is your motivation for coming to worship. We must come thirsty and know that the only drink that will satisfy is God. We must come to taste and see that it is the Lord who is good. We must come to worship and sing His praise. To feast upon His Word. To receive His gracious sacraments. For if you would rightly worship the Lord and have the longing of your heart fulfilled, you must come to the gathered body of Christ, the temple of the living God, longing to be satisfied by His presence alone. Next. We see in our psalm that we must pursue the dwelling place of God even though at times it is difficult. Look down at verses 5-7 through of our text. There we read, Blessed are those whose strength is in you, and whose heart are the highways to Zion. As they go through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The early rain also covers it with pools. They go from strength to strength. Each one appears before God in Zion. In these verses we see the blessings to pursuing the dwelling place of God. We see that in the phrase, in whose heart are the highways to Zion. Right? Your heart is set on Zion. In whose heart are the highways to Zion. Like John Denver loves country roads. Why? Country roads... Lead me home. That's right. They lead him home. So he loves country roads. The one who loves the Lord must love the road that takes him to his dwelling place. Yet we see that this road is not an easy road to travel. For it goes through the valley of Baca. Now there's no geographical location that we know of in Canaan that actually went by this name. And so we realize that this is a metaphor for, for something, an experience that happens along the way. 
For the name Baca leads us to believe that this was a dry and arid place. The road to Zion can be harsh and difficult. Yet, as the road was traveled, the Lord would graciously bring rain upon the land, right? It it begins to be covered with pools as they go through these hard and harsh, arid lands. And as others would grow weak as they travel and as they progress, those who seek the Lord will grow in their vigor, for they will go from strength to strength. And there is a promise that all who pursue the Lord will appear before God in Zion as they travel this difficult road. I know that it's not always easy to gather with God's people on a Sunday morning. There are many factors that can get in the way of being present and being prepared to worship the Lord. There are external factors like schedules, children's behavior, age, or sickness. We're presently in a time when many of us cannot come to worship because of the pandemic. There are also internal factors that keep people from coming to the gathered body of Christ. There are those who feel as though church is not where they belong. Maybe they feel guilty as though church is not welcome to them. Or they have relational conflict with other members of the church and they think, you know, I could never go back and sit in the same pew or in the same pews with with that person over there because of the conflict that we have. Some people struggle with being in crowds. They have anxiety about being with other people and so they avoid public worship. Now, of course, there are legitimate reasons why one should avoid public gatherings for a season. Nevertheless, there are great promises in this verse about the blessing that the Lord will bring to those who endure the valley of Baca to come before God in Zion. There is encouragement that as you travel the difficult road towards being together in public worship, the Lord will send forth His rain to refresh you along the way. He will give to you strength that you do not have on your own. And therefore, we must dedicate ourselves to pursuing the presence of the Lord in the gathered body of Christ, even though it's difficult. For God Himself will empower us towards this end. And as you trust that He will provide the time, the patience, and the relational peace that you need, you will see yourself going from strength to strength. I'm so grateful that in this season we have the technology to do a live stream service and all those who work hard to accomplish that. I'm glad that we can accommodate those who truly cannot come. However, I want to challenge those who are watching this live stream. If you are using live stream for the sake of convenience and not necessity, it is time to come back to the physical gathering of God's people. I understand that there are many difficulties. And we as a staff, as the pastors want to hear how we might help in accommodating needs that people have to be back here. But as a body, we must begin pursuing being present in the house of the Lord, believing that the Lord will strengthen us along the way, no matter the valleys of Baca that we must endure to be a part. For if we would have the longing of our heart fulfilled, we must pursue the presence of God even in the midst of difficulty. To know the blessing of God's presence, we must long for His presence in the body of Christ. We must pursue His presence in the body of Christ. And the third thing 
that we see in our text is that we must prioritize His presence in the body of Christ. That is, we must make corporate worship of God the number one priority in our life. Look down at verse 10 of our text. There we read, For a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. In this verse, we see the priority that is given to public worship over any other endeavor in life. The psalmist says again that spending one day in the presence of the Lord is better than, right? There's a priority. To be in the presence of the Lord for one day is better than spending a thousand days doing something else. Do you place such a high priority on worship that you would give up a thousand days at the beach to spend one day in the presence of the Lord? Would you give up a thousand days of touring Europe to spend one day worshiping with God's people? Would you give up a thousand days of golf or sailing or hunting or hiking or gardening to spend one day with the Lord? Yet the Lord is kind. He is so kind that we need not make such exchanges. We don't have to trade out the good things of life to worship Him. We can still have days enjoying things like hiking and sailing and traveling. However, there is a priority that needs to be given to worship that can never be supplanted by the secondary blessings of life. And oh, that Christ's people would yet again rediscover the blessing of coming into the very presence of God in the gathered body of Christ. That we would be filled with a love for His presence in worship to such an extent that it would be the number one priority in our lives. Is your hobby a higher priority in practice? I know you wouldn't say it, but in practice, does it have priority over worship? Is your child's sports or activities a higher priority in practice than corporate worship? Of course you wouldn't say it, but if you are regularly missing corporate worship so that your child can be engaged and involved in sports or activities that take place on Sundays, where is your priority? And what are you teaching your child? Is staying up till 2 or 3 o'clock playing video games or trolling Facebook accounts a higher priority? Is work a higher priority? Is your comfort a higher priority? You see, making worship the number one priority of your life will cost you. It will cost you something. It will infringe upon good things and fun things. But listen, it's better. It is better than all of those things. The presence of the Lord is what you were created for. And it is a thousand times better than anything that this world has to offer. A little extra sleep, a little extra practice, a little extra income, a little extra relaxation are good. But the presence of God in the gathered body of Christ is a thousand times better. So we need to make worship a non-negotiable priority in our lives. Now, we miss the point if our attendance at weekly Sunday worship becomes a point of legalism. 
right? As we read Psalm 84, we do not see legalism here. He is not saying, I will come to the temple because it is my duty. He is not saying, I will gather with God's people because I have to. He is not saying, I will come into the house of the Lord because it is what, is good, it is what good people do. No. He is saying, I so love the presence of God that I would give up all that I have to spend one day in His presence. He is motivated out of a love for God and not out of obligation. And so too should you be motivated out of a love for God. And when your love for the presence of the Lord is what is motivating you, then you will gladly offer the secondary blessings of this world to spend the day in the presence of God, drinking from the very fountain of living water that your soul thirsts after. You see, the temple was God's accommodation to man. Man in his sin that he might come into his presence. That man might dwell in the very presence of God as he was created to do. However, it is an accommodation. The tabernacle, the temple, and even the gathered body of Christ. However, when Christ returns and brings us into the new heavens and the new earth, we will once again be unfettered in our access to God. There will be no barrier. There will be no temple. There will be no roads through Baca. For God will be with His people forever. Even as we read in Revelation 21, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, The dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be His people and God Himself will be with them as their God. That is where we are going to. This is what your heart longs for. To dwell in the presence of God. So set your heart upon the presence of the Lord. Set your heart to pursuing the Lord. And set your heart to prioritize the dwelling place of the Lord with man above anything else. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray. Oh, Father God, we come to you now with a greater appreciation after reading Psalm 84 of your presence with us as we are gathered together in the body of Christ. But oh, how easy it is for us to make law out of gospel. Let us hear the gospel this morning that you graciously invite us into your presence through the work of your Son, Jesus Christ, that we might have the longings of our heart fulfilled. We pray, oh God, that you would truly change our heart that You might be our number one priority in all things. We pray this in Christ's holy name. Amen.